Welcome to Perimeter Cast. Someone recently asked me what drew me to permaculture. But before I get into that, I'd like to quickly just read a definition of permaculture first. Here goes. Permaculture design is a system of assembling conceptual, material, and strategic components in a pattern which functions to benefit life in all its forms. It seeks to provide a sustainable and secure place for living things on earth. So for a while, I thought I wanted to be an architect. So when I got out of the Army in 1992, I had the GI Bill, so I went to drafting school first. That's where I learned how to operate CAD, AutoCAD, and that enabled me to get a job at an engineering firm. So we moved to Atlanta in 1999, and that worked out well for me because I was only a draftsman and I didn't have a discipline. This was an MEP firm, mechanical, electrical, and plumbing. And so by doing that, I learned plumbing. And after a while, they moved me up to a junior design position. So I worked as a plumbing designer for years up in Atlanta at several different places. And I got an opportunity to work on everything from labs, hospitals, hotels, restaurants, and pretty much everything in between. What a lot of people don't remember about that period of time was that there was a bubble in the stock market based on tech stocks at the time. And a lot of people started day trading because the technology for the first time allowed that to happen. So you could literally sit at your home office and trade stocks for the first time ever in history. So I knew a lot of people who were doing this, and I traded a little bit myself, but I really never had any big, large sums of money to trade with, so it was always just small potatoes. But I eventually knew a lot of people who lost a lot of money when the bubble burst, and this was a huge eye-opener for me, and I'd say for everyone, actually, because... At the time, that was the biggest bubble there had ever been. But the thing that struck me the most was the frenzied mentality that people had during that time. And you could really tell that people were out of their element, but at the same time making pronouncements about how easy it was to trade stocks and make money, although they did not have any background ever doing that. And something began to smell a little fishy, I thought. And I started to look for alternative forms of information because really when CNBC came out during that time, it was, as they call it now, bubble vision. In other words, stocks only go up and the uh, cycle of the, the business cycle had been supplanted by this new paradigm because of technology. Well, I'm pretty skeptical by nature, and I was becoming very skeptical toward the end of this thing, and I knew something was awry, and like I was saying, I started looking for uh, alternative forms of information, and 
that was when I found the website uh, Daily Reckoning, Bill Bonner's website. And through that website, I learned about a lot of other uh, libertarian thinkers like Doug Casey or Murray Rothbard or uh, Von Mises, Lou Rockwell, things such as this. So I started going down this rabbit hole of libertarian thinking and reading a lot. And H.L. Mencken was one of the people that I liked a lot and still do. And he was a writer way back in the uh, era of prohibition and he he was uh, very influential on bill bonner and the things he said about the government and especially schools and the new deal and all these things that we've been groomed to just accept without any question he he cut those things down into pieces so succinctly that it made my head spin and it really changed the way I looked at uh, everything from that point forward, especially when it had to do with the government. And I'd like to just make my own observation here. If you're predisposed to a liberty mindset, a freedom mindset, once you find people who write the way Minkin does or Bill Bonner or Murray Rothbard, you'll be naturally drawn toward that kind of writing but if you're a person who doesn't question the status quo just wants to get along once you come across these types of writers more than likely you're you'll just ignore it so i think the seeds of what we are as individuals are either leaning towards and has tendencies of freedom Or we're more in the mindset of the government is going to do the right thing and take care of us. But if you are a freedom-loving person, the odds are you're going to lean towards resiliency and self-sufficiency because you just have a basic mistrust of um, governmental systems in general. And that is exactly what the bubble during the 1999-2000 time frame showed was that even though the Federal Reserve, you know, Greenspan, were talking about how this was a new paradigm and it was going up forever, and then all of a sudden this thing crashed and and wiped out a lot of people's uh, 401ks a lot of people that I personally know lost lots of money and they had a faith in this system that was not founded on anything other than a hope. And that was a big lesson to me. I, at the time, didn't have any money in the stock market to speak of. so And I wasn't in tech stocks at all, so... We, we didn't get hurt, and we were lucky. So even though at the time Bubble Vision was touting the stock market as being still in a bull market, the alternative media that I was looking at knew that we were already probably in a recession, and that turned out to be the case. And after the bubble burst, um, they laid me off. 
So that was a pretty big slap in the face for me because I had worked uh, any overtime they needed me to. I worked uh, all through Thanksgiving. And it was funny, too, because when I came in off of the street, the day that I started there, they gave me a key to the building. And they didn't know me from Adam. And then after a year or so of working there, when they let go of all of us, they shut down the phone system so they could reboot the server and kick all of us out of our computers so that we wouldn't be able to log on and ostensibly uh, damage their computer system. So as soon as they made the announcement that the phone would be offline for about five minutes, my boss walked through and said, hey, you got a minute? And so when he closed the door behind us, I knew what was up. And he made me give him the key to the building. (laughs) And I thought, wow, now that you guys know what kind of character I've got, uh, you're you're worried that I'm going to vandalize the building or something. So it was pretty funny. So I learned pretty quickly what the corporate world was like and that everyone is expendable that you can't rely on a job even if you show up every day and work overtime and kiss ass and all the things people think that matters when it comes to having a job they need you until they don't need you that's that's it in a nutshell the best thing that you can hope for in a job is that the company is shorthanded and needs people because they will work the people they have available to the bone. So if they've got five people and it takes 10 to do the job, five people have to do the work of two people. And if they have full employment, they will fire the people who cost them the most money if they can find someone else, usually younger, that can do the job for less money. I've seen it happen over and over. So the next big event that shaped the way that I looked at things was in 2005 when Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans. And that was a real eye-opener in terms of what a disaster could do to a supposedly modern city in a first world country and that probably shaped many people's thoughts on their lives going forward so i went out there on the internet and started trying to look up how to be prepared for emergencies and i stumbled into what was available at the time as much as i could find on the prepper movement i had no idea it was uh labeled that and everything i found out there was just some company or person trying to sell a doomsday scenario so they could sell old mres or some kind of crazy scenario that i just didn't have time for so i i really didn't even think about it anymore after that and i just it kind of went out of my head then one day i was listening to a financial show and they had a guest on and he was talking about preparedness and he wasn't 
selling anything, number one, and he wasn't talking about a doomsday scenario. He was coming at it from a perspective of, I would say, positivity. Maybe that's not the greatest word, but it wasn't from a uh, a position of fear. Was It's a better way to say it. And let me just say that after having been in the military for a little while, you get kind of adjusted to being in in a certain state of readiness. And even after you get out of the military, that um, regimentation kind of lingers in you. At least it did for me. And so the guy that was talking on the radio show that I listened to was prior service, and his name ended up being Jack Spearco. I'm sure a lot of you know who Jack is. He's the voice of the Survival Podcast. And I started listening to his um, podcast after that show, and I guess I came in somewhere around episode 500 maybe. I started listening to Jack's show on a fairly regular basis, and the thing that I liked was he was definitely the opposite of all of those prepper sites I had found when I'd first done my search and always coming at things from a position of a uh, readiness and, um, you know, a redundancy, which that's military uh, mindset in the first place. So that went right along with my background. And he was one of the few people I'd ever heard say some of the same things that the way I would view certain things. In other words, we had a lot of the same viewpoints, although he was not a libertarian, I don't believe at the time. At least he he, he never sounded like one to me. And now he's an anarchist. But some of the things he was talking about in those days... I really did not agree with him on politically because I had already been down that road and knew it was a dead end. And later on, he he came more and more to the uh, libertarian point of view, and, and we really became very ideologically similar after a few years because he he really started to renounce um, voting and those kinds of things, which he had previously kind of encouraged people to do as best I could remember. And a lot of his show in the beginning revolved around bugging out, and that's a term preppers throw around a lot, and it's about getting out of Dodge should the shit hit the fan, so to speak. And he eventually even moved to his bug-out location in Arkansas and started doing his show from there. But he started talking a lot about permaculture, and he was really instrumental in my pursuing permaculture more than just uh, casual interest because I really didn't have a uh, desire to, to bug out and... Over time, his show became less about bugging out and more about bugging in. And these days, he doesn't even have a bug out location, or at least I don't think he does. So after a good bit of research on permaculture, I found out that it was really a holistic way of looking at things and not just about gardening, which I think a lot of people tend to think that's 
the extent of what it is, but that it's about, you know, engineering, it's about water, it's about sun orientation, it's about community, it's about animal systems, it's about plant systems. It really covers the whole gamut. It's a life system. It's a life design system. And I'd always had these disparate interests like solar, you know, engineering, drafting, um, gardening. But they were always just sort of different categories. And I had an interest in all of this stuff. And lo and behold, permaculture has all of these things in its same canon of thought. And that was the first time I'd ever seen all of these things combined together into one fluent way of seeing the world. And honestly, when I came to this realization, I just thought, why did I not run into this 15, 20 years ago? I almost felt like I'd stumbled into a, a, a home, I guess, into into my rightful place. So basically, that's it. That's the way I got into permaculture, and I'm really looking forward to doing a lot more podcasts on permaculture and our permaculture site here in the Ozarks. So thanks for listening to Perimeter Cast. Catch you next time.